What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. Have we got a treat for you today. We are so excited to have the amazing Dr. Bob Nelson on the program. If you don't know Dr. Bob, you better get on that because you are missing out. Dr. Bob Nelson is considered the world's leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. He's worked with over 80% of the Fortune 500 and is a prolific author. He's written over 30 books on management, employee motivation, and engagement, and he's sold over 5 million copies. Today, we're talking about his newest book, Work Made Fun Gets Done, and we're diving deep into what it takes to keep employees checked in and fired up in this hybrid distributed world. This is easily one of my favorite TCB episodes ever. So buckle up, TC beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Dr. Bob Nelson on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. All right, well, welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's your favorite day. It's Corporate Bartender Day. It's the 1st of December. We've been marveling over that fact in the pre-show. Can't believe that it's December and that it's almost 70 degrees here in Denver and in Austin and people are watering their lawns while tuning up their snowblowers. It's kind of a crazy day. It's episode 111 of The Corporate Bartender. We've been at it for a while and we're still going strong. Yeah, right? Triple ones. And it's it's Dr. Bob Day. We've got Dr. Bob Nelson on the show. Let's let's give him a big welcome. Hey, I thought there was good free drinks here. Come on. (laughs) Cheers, Dr. Bob. (laughs) Oh, you get the drink. Well, that's a double, so have mine as well. There you go. Yeah, when you have to go make your drink at 3:30 for the pre-show, you gotta make it big because it's gotta last all five. (laughs) So So yeah, today okay. today we've we've got a guest. Uh, looks like we've got a, a new person here. Uh, Ruby approved him. So Reb Bryant, welcome to the bartender. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Great. Hey, to be Reb. Here. We we always ask new folks. We ask them three questions. We ask them sure. to share with us who you are, yep. what you do, and tell us one really boring fact about you. <laughs> Um, so I'm a senior HR business partner for Hawk Manufacturing in Loveland, Colorado. I've been in HR for, um, a, a while. That may be the boring fact. Um, and let's see, where am I located? Yeah. So Northern Colorado, it is warm up here as well. So we're in the seventies today and uh, probably the boring fact was, uh, before I did the Coast Guard work, I was in the, or before I did the HR work, I was in the Coast Guard. So. Oh, that would be right the on. Boring fact. Yeah. Right on. What was your what was your job in the Coast Guard? What did you do? I did a lot of different things. I uh, drove ships. I did some logistics work before there were supply chain issues, uh, some law enforcement, all those crazy things. So, so whenever the Coast I hear- Guard, they say we drive ships. Uh, I always thought you sailed ships, but in the Coast Guard, you drive them. Oh, uh, yeah. It just kind of depends. So, yeah. I, I <laughs> they did have they the sailed them. I did have the opportunity to sail a couple of times, but all right. I was just testing a, your Coast Guard they took, they story. Took my, to see they took my license away, so yeah. Uh, maybe you're just making that up. Yeah. But well, you know, David, they sailed yeah. them in the 1800s back then. <laughs> oh, did they? They didn't carry that forward once they installed engines. 
Uh, well, welcome, Rev. It's good to yes, have welcome. you. Good to be here. Thanks for, thanks. thanks for being here with us. Being being a long-term HR person, you're in good company here. You've got a bunch of grizzled, salty old HR people here <laughs> in this community as well. Look at Lindsay. She's like, mm-hmm. Let's be old, young man. That's why things tend to get a little irreverent around here. What? Maybe you're a little jaded. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Not until the second drink, though, right? That helps. <laughs> Jokes Laurel, get way funnier. They do. Laurel's taking umbrance with the word grizzled. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> well, awesome. It's great to have everybody here. Hey, um, I did I did some more work. I've been I've been teasing and threatening this for a long time. But um, it's going to be real here. We're going to do some merch. And now I have a form where you can tell me what you want <laughs> and how many of them you want and in what size so I can actually get them going. Right now, I got three designs out there. Um, the newest one is the one on the right, uh, inspired by Lori and I's trip to Waco. Uh, <laughs> there's a Waco shirt like that that I bought that I, I love. And I thought, I'm making a TCB shirt like that, too. So if you want one, skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB merch, and uh, you can you can order it up there. And for for our, our tight, close-knit community members, I'm going to give it to you for free. So you, you let us know. Get in there quick before we start charging money, because, you know, we might make a dollar and a half <laughs> on T-shirts. What's the red lettering on the middle one? Uh, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to wait and see, David. I <laughs> but I like that. Otherwise, why, why should I care? It's it's free merch. So, right. right? It it's says, color, sorry, I was just going to say it's a colorful quote from Laurel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's on the back. It says, it says David Hewen, King of Austin. All right. Can I order two or three? Is there a limit to my order? No limits. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, so do do sign up, do let me know and and we'll we'll get those things cranked out here in the first part of the year. Um so yeah, today's today's a big day. We've we've got a guest. We've got Dr. Bob Nelson here on the show. Um Dr. Bob, he's worked with a few companies. I don't know if you know any of these. Do you guys recognize any any of these logos? Apparently, Dr. Bob has worked with with oh, oh. Uh-oh, Laurel's dog is going to go crazy. <laughs> Apparently, Dr. Bob has worked with 80% of the Fortune 500. And during pre-show, I said, that either makes you really good or really old. And he said, <laughs> maybe a little of both. <laughs> so Dr. Bob is the, he's considered the world's leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. And that's a topic that's near and dear to us here at the at the bartender um, he sold over 5 million, million books on management, employee motivation, and engagement, including titles like 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees, 1,001 Rewards and Recognition Fieldbook. There's a theme here, 1,001 Ways to Energize Employees. And his newest book here, Work Made Fun Gets Done. Yes, yeah, more eggs popping it too. There you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, just, to make, just to make a heavy point on this being December, if any of your guests uh, uh, mail me their mailing address, a preferred mailing address, I will send them a complimentary book. How about that? Look at that. Awesome. Thank you. Nice. 
We'll we'll send you four t-shirts too. <laughs> I, I already picked one of them out. So. <laughs> Do we have your email address? Yes. Uh, we'll oh, get that. It's really, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. It's pretty easy. So it's Bob at drbobnelson.com. There you go. <laughs> About as easy as it gets. And and I told I told Dr. Bob that we were going to have to talk about this photo here. Um, this is his before and after photo. Um, so, Dr. Bob, what's going on with the fro over here in this that, picture? That was uh, when my my fun my, my son first saw that's my high school senior picture. My son first saw that he was uh, I don't know one year old. He goes, "What's Daddy Bean?" So. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that question. <laughs> so needless to say, Dr. Bob's been there. He's been, <laughs> he's been there. He's done that. He's got the t-shirt. Let's, let's give, let's give him a big welcome, a TCB welcome here to the bartender. Welcome Dr. Bob. How you doing today? Excellent. Excellent. Just met my first granddaughter, my first grandchild, and uh, it's uh, pretty delightful. That's amazing. So you got that first big family Thanksgiving. Yeah, kind of a kind of a tag team affair. <laughs> everyone, everyone's on duty with the new baby, you know. So right. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of fun, kind of different. And, That's awesome. Uh, wouldn't trade for anything. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for being with us today. Um, why don't you, if you if you don't mind, tell the folks a little bit about you, about your history, and about how you ended up becoming the world's leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. One step at a time, I guess. That, and that would, uh, uh, <laughs> Is that what you wanted to be George, when you grew up? George Lennon. Uh, uh, that's what happened when you're making other plans, right? So... Um, <laughs> I published my first book at 21 and uh, self-published. And I just, the book you held up is my 31st book. So hardest thing I've ever done. And, and yet I keep at it for some reason. <laughs> so, and I guess, you know, it's, it's fun or it's certainly fun to be published. It's a lot of work to do a book, but um, it's fun having them out. And I love the promotions of them. And um, I think they add value to people's lives. So that what else could be? All the books I do follow have uh, my my values embedded in that, which is the case with any writer. And for me, those are 100% positive, 100% practical. So um, one of my things I'm known for is using 100% real life examples from actual companies that are actually doing what we're talking about, and often with the results they got or a comment from them, and um, I think that's a good thing. I had, I had, uh, I got a great, I had a reader send me from Indian, uh, Indiana uh, a couple months ago. They sent me a, a kind of a unsolicited testimonial. She says, you know, your, your books, when I read your books, it makes me feel like you're personally giving me permission to do the right thing. <laughs> and I just absolutely love that. I want that on my tombstone. That's awesome. Gave, gave people permission to do the right thing. That's amazing. That's 31 books. Bob, that's a big lift. You, you you said it's hard, yet you keep going back to the well. 
Why do you do that? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I keep having more stuff to say. <laughs> Some people say that, uh, any authors writing the same book over and over. So all mine are, are out of the cut of cloth of maximizing play, play performance and, and building the, the culture and the environment that you can get the best from people and, and attract the talent. And boy, holding on to them is pretty important today. You know, so, and those are the deliverables that my books tend to have to different degrees. And so the latest one on fun is kind of, uh, you know, frivolous topic. I think I have on the back cover from Inc. Magazine. They said, fun is frivolous, we know, unless you want to attract and keep people, <laughs> then it's not frivolous anymore. we got to take it seriously. So let's take it seriously. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's interesting. <clears throat> you know, we talk about, about engagement and we talk about, you know, how things have changed uh, since, since uh, March 13th of 2020. And we always share a news article. And, you know, I, I was looking for news articles that were related to engagement in prep for the show. And I came across this one. This is in HBR. And it's called How, how Companies Can Improve, Improve Employee Engagement Right Now. And it just came out in October. Um, and there's a, essentially there's a checklist in there. Uh, because our capacity to deal with stuff is diminished. It's It's been a rough 18 <laughs> months, right? Um, and so I wanted to just kind of float this article out here and talk about what these authors, um, these world-renowned authors on engagement, clearly no Dr. Bob, but they, they have a checklist in here. And I was curious as to, you know, what your thoughts were on building and retaining employee engagement in the world that we live in today. I mean, this was a thing that was hard in 2018 um, and it's, it's different now. And I'm curious, you know, as to your take on that. So the checklist contained three items that said, basically you need to connect employees to, to do what they care about. It said you need to make the work less stressful and more enjoyable. And then it said you, you should create what they called time affluence. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was the cool one, but let's, let's knock them down one by one. So, you know, a, from, from a, 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 a perspective of take this checklist and go do it at your office. I mean, I'd be curious to what you think about that. Um, but do you have sort of the, 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 the starting point, if you don't know anything about employee engagement, what are we, what are we supposed to go do with our employees, especially now? Well, well, those those points are all certainly solid. I'd say if there's a theme there, it's maybe, you know, a little bit of return to the basics. <clears throat> so uh, to not make the topic too confusing or or too hard to put your arms around that you never do anything. And so like the first one, connecting, connecting with um, things that people care about is really the starting point of motivation. And um, I've been amazed in working with, with companies that, I often have to ask, you know, what they what they've got going, and and most companies have a survey or they, they do an engagement survey, and and often I gotta start over and say, you know, okay, your people said that they feel recognized or they don't feel recognized. Whatever the answer is, you can't do much with it <laughs> because they, you didn't ask them what they want to feel recognized. And I've I've worked with corporations where I've That'd be like the first thing I'll say after the in the starting gates to say, well, we, we need to do 
you know, some pulse surveys or, or focus groups. And they go, oh, no, no, we've got all the information. And when they show it to me, it's like, you got a lot of information, but you haven't answered specifically what do people want to feel recognized when they do good work. And, and until you answer that question, you don't know what to focus on. <laughs> you know? uh, anything else, you're guessing. And boy, the guesses are over the map. Often it's what the manager wants. <laughs> They're saying, well, they must want this, you know, and, and well, they, if they didn't say it, that's not what they want. So a manager might say, or the company might say, well, they, we know what they want. The one I'm thinking of, they said, oh yeah, we know what they want. They want more money. They want promotion and they want better benefits. Oh, well, that's what they said. Wow. It's amazing. No, they didn't say that, but that's what we're spending all our money and time <laughs> on. So it must be what they want. Well, Okay, just hold on to that thought and now go ask them because I've done a lot of asking and um, with companies around the world and, uh, and just in the, in the training you know, activity, just say, we'll say, hey, just think the last time you felt special that we're excited about what you're doing um, and looking forward to coming to work and uh, what gave you that feeling? What was said or done? Who was present? Whatever specifics. Now, the people talk about for a while and then we'll get some call out responses and having that ask that question across the country hundreds and hundreds of times, um, you know, every now and then someone says, well, I was promoted usually, you know, a couple of days earlier. So it's a recency effect, but right. beyond that, no one ever says more money. They, they say uh, what, what comes up 99% of the time is personal, thoughtful, uh, specific, meaningful gestures of thanks from someone they hold in high esteem, their manager, their, their colleagues, maybe a, uh, someone higher up in corporate, um, all variations of that. You know, it's, and go, well, all right, we got some learnings. You know, no one, no one mentioned money. <laughs> well, and the, I always find it fascinating that those don't even have to be high budget fixes. That is exactly. such low hanging fruit. That is exactly. so, you know, accessible <laughs> immediately. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I think that's that's actually part of the problem because it's so obvious, right? It's common sense. We, you mm -hmm. know, that uh, what could be easier than to thank someone for doing a good job? Mm -hmm. I, almost, it's so obvious that most managers feel they must be doing it because it's yeah. <laughs> it's a, their intent to do that, but they never actually get around to doing it. In their head, they're doing it, and they'll say, "Hey, Jerry did it. You know, Jerry did it once again. He's my best person." Didn't say anything to Jerry, you know, didn't write him a note, didn't call him out in front of the group. But in, in their head, they go, Jerry's my best guy and until he quits, you know. Right. And exactly. That, that's what happens. Jerry. Yeah. So uh, yeah. starting at that basic level is, is really important. And then um, and taking what they say seriously is also a simple step. But again, uh, that that usually doesn't mean a big fancy program, you know, it, it, it's just the simplest things that, uh, boy, just to, just to do a focus group and have, you know, 22 year old engineers just almost on the verge of tears saying, I just wish someone would notice me. <laughs> I work hard. I make my deadlines. I'll work through the weekend, but nobody says or does anything. And, Ah, you just want to give the person a hug, you know, <laughs> you just for your manager, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of sad, but um, so that's, that's why I say is the key. And then taking what they say seriously and actually doing those things would be the, the starting point to get you into the game. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the second point that, that HBR article had was making work less stressful, which actually in some 
uh, research is number one reason why people quit their job is, is stress. And, you know, fun is a, <laughs> is a release valve for stress. So you got it. And the timeliness of, uh, the latest book is, uh, you know, once again, uh, the best marketing is luck, you know? So <laughs> I've always believed that, that, um, fun is, is a great salve to the, the hustle bustle daily grind and and it's not that hard to do uh i've i've um there's simple things like i i just had i've had groups where we'll just hey when we meet uh, start with a let's, let's rotate doing a, a joke every time we meet and who wants to do next week's you know and everyone's gonna we go around the whole group and if you're not good at jokes you got a you know a week to practice and <laughs> and even if they end up on a bad joke we all still laugh so it's a it's a great, it's a great connector. You know, laughter brings people together. And um, in in the book that you each will get, you know, we've got uh, we break fun into different levels, uh, from what, making your own work more fun to what a leader can do to what you can do as part of a group, and then what the organization can do. And I'm delighted to have uh, done a special focus on Sky Team because they're the you know we research companies that have fun as the core value, and we only found 17 of them. <laughs> <laughs> where they listed as a core value and sky team actually has fun listed as four of their core values on fun there so <laughs> and it was a delight to uh see how they work that into their into their work it's not it's not you know it used to be you you work you know we pay you to work and go do fun on the weekend you know <laughs> and all that's kind of gone away as we've morphed our, our life experience to be both work and fun at the same time. So if, if you're in a place where they, they don't, you know, <laughs> with this, uh, this call to have people come back to work, I, I, I heard, you know, uh, New York city uh, uh, financial companies. Uh, mm -hmm. When CEO said, I, I, I refuse to pay people for doing their laundry, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, then I guess <laughs> they won't be doing that. They probably won't be staying with you either, but <laughs> <laughs> you made it very clear, you know, or I, I was in uh, speaking uh, last year in uh, Albuquerque and I heard the story about the CEO that said, you know, we got to, we got to patch it down and, and, uh, you know, time to get serious about what we're doing here in this company. So I expect everyone to be in their office by eight 30 every morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one, one person in, in the all hands meeting kind of rose, raised their hands and said, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? Well, I'm, I'm a single mom. I got two kids, no one else to drop them off at school, no one else to pick them up in the afternoon. And I also have an ailing parent. I've got the, you know, if my get a call from my my mom who's 88 in the next 10 minutes, I'm taking her to the doctor, you know, or emergency, whatever it is. No one else to do that. Well, if you're serious about this job, you'll be in your desk tomorrow at 8:30. Well, what what choice did she have? She quit. Mm -hmm. Turns out she was the number one revenue producer for that company <laughs> Oh, because she was so motivated because she had a, a job that worked with yeah. her, her life circumstance. And that's what I think everyone wants now is, right. is make it make it work for what I got going, you know, and and it's not the end all. And, and um, it doesn't just happen. I think we've proven it can't just doesn't just have to have to happen in an office downtown. <laughs> I mean, there's one test of the pandemic is that, you know, 71 percent of the of uh, workers went to working uh, at home and and for the the vast majority of they were actually more productive 
than when they're in the office. And and as they're going back to the office, they're finding <laughs> they're disappointed in in what they're what they're getting because it's it's not uh, they don't they don't feel more productive going back to the office now. It's it's and a series of other things that it's a disappointing return to the workplace after the mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, so there's there's not going to be any going back. You know, you can't go home again. You can't step in the same river twice. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And I think the how work used to be is is forever gone. And so the more we tried to say it's got to be it's got to be a certain way. And again, to to bag on the New York City financial companies, <laughs> uh, CEO of JP Morgan said a couple months ago, if you can go out to eat in New York City, you can come to the office. <laughs> you know? and, and it's like, God, those are so not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> so not the same. Well, my, yeah. my wife's company, they started to get them to come in. They they, they upped the Andy in their catered lunches. And she still doesn't come in. And nah, that's okay. I'm fine. You guys go ahead without me. I don't need the two hour commute and the potential yeah. exposure to whoever's not vaccinated. So <laughs> we're good. <laughs> and if they insist that uh, she comes in, well, actually, this parallels what this research said. 71% work from home. 65% said they wanted to continue to work from home. And 58% said if forced to return, they will quit. Yep. And uh, yeah. my, wow. my wife was one of those. In fact, I'm, I'm in working in Seattle in our home. Here we have uh, five people all working virtually, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, uh, my son works for a hundred percent virtual company. There's no, there's no place to go into hundred percent virtual. It's called, um, unstoppable domains. They, they sell domains for, uh, uh cryptocurrency and they just had, um, cyber Monday. They just had a $2 million day. They earn more on, on one day than they earned it all uh, 2019. 100% wow. virtual, 100% virtual. And they're not missing a beat. You know, they have they have uh, meetings. It's not meetings to meet. It's meetings to, on specific uh, issues. And they ask everyone to who's presenting to record their presentation in advance and post it for people to view at their own leisure. Wow. And then um, they do a quick, during the time of the meeting, they do a two-minute wrap-up and take questions. And That's if it's fantastic. a 10 minute question, they're done, you know, <laughs> and whatever they do is, is that now archived because it was taped. It's very efficient. You know, because That's it, a great idea. Meetings are, are you know, 60% waste of time. Um, they don't have that problem. And, and they, and they, um, you know, uh, the loss of, of, of the social, you know, meeting people and stuff. They, they each week, they randomly connect two people to meet each other in the company. Huh. And, mm-hmm. and he, uh, uh, and That's then a cool idea. All over, all over the place. They like uh, he just did a meetup with people in Seattle that work for the company. So if you want the social aspect in the peer group, you can go make that happen. But you don't have to do that on on work time. And you know, it's it's all. I guess my point is is it's all working. It's all working. There's there's uh, uh, unless there's a uh, there's no downside really. You know that uh, that they've haven't been able to overcome. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Bob. You said you said those Wall Street banks don't want to pay people to do their laundry, but apparently they have no trouble paying them to bullshit at the water cooler for twenty minutes. <laughs> and my my point on on that too is like, well, if you pay people enough, you know, they'll do whatever you tell them. Tell me where you want me to be, I'll be there because you're paying me so much. But 
for, for most of us, it's uh, not just about the money. It's about, you know, what we want to be a part of and part of something larger than ourselves. And we want to, we want to enjoy our work. Uh, we want to have fun at work. We want to enjoy who we work with and, and, and who we're serving. And don't have to be in an office to make that happen. And, and increasingly, it's a distraction to be in the office. I, I know some of the works at Google and, and they uh, live downtown San Francisco. They drive an hour and a half or that Google has you know, shuttles and they take the shuttle in the, in the rain to uh, Google headquarters at, at, on, in Mountain View. And uh, they're doing that because we got to have a you know, collaborative environment. And it, and it just kind of laughs at the whole thing. It goes into the office and spends all his time on the phone with someone in a different building on a campus. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was no reason to have to have that commute, you know, and, and in, I, I think we're not going to go back to that. The, the two hours of commuting a day is dead mm-hmm. forever uh, that, that people are going to put their foot down. And, and they, if you don't, if you don't listen to them, you don't believe it, they're going to walk and, and they will. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, so, I, that's certainly a, a big digression on that second point. So real quickly, <laughs> the, the third point of that article is create time affluence. I love that concept, uh, basically giving people reward of, of time. And I, I've been advocating that for many years. Uh, there's, um, um, in fact, and just people to be more creative about how they do that. So you can you can um, do that um, as, a, as a gift for an hour off or an afternoon off, you can, you can do it as uh, I know a company that uh, beginning of the year, they you know they're stressful times and they, and they announced to everyone that we want you to take uh, an extra, extra um, free day this year. Uh, they called it something. Uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a health, mental health day or something. And and because they said, who knows better than when you need a break than the person, right? So mm-hmm. we want you to call in. Don't call in sick. Call in well. I'm going to the zoo today with my kid. You know, I'm going oh. to whatever. And and they insisted everyone use that during the year. And they could tack it on to their other vacation if they wanted. But I, I think that's the type of uh, company that people think twice about leaving because they've got the the best interests of the employees at heart. And they're and they're. They're showing that in their, in their behaviors and actions, not just talking about it. One of the things I saw in the article that I thought was pretty cool, because we've talked about this, uh, you know, in several different kind of angles, but the the idea of always on, right? And, this, mm-hmm. and when you're remote and that you can be in your chair at seven o'clock in the morning, you can stay there till seven o'clock at night because you don't have the commute or because you don't, right? Have And so that's been like the challenge is for people to set their own boundaries, to say, I'm going to stop or I'm not going to start until, and that's, that can be hard for people to do, especially if they have a boss who doesn't walk that talk, who is always on, and then they feel compelled to be responsive to that in kind. But the example in this article was they systematically through the email system, you know, programmed it to stop delivering emails 30 minutes before the end of the workday and then turned back on the delivery of emails 30 minutes before the start of the workday. So there were some workarounds, right? If you had something going where you needed to get in there, you could figure that out. But it set the tone that you are not expected to be on your phone every evening while you're trying to have dinner with your family or watch a movie or, you know, they, they systematically said these will not be delivered during these times. And I thought that was super cool. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. There, there's a, I know a company in Silicon Valley that is before the pandemic, but they actually on, on Friday at five, they would ring a bell and force everyone to leave to go home yeah. uh, because they didn't want to set a culture where, you know, some cultures that become a real uh, high work culture. It's uh, in fact, if my, my son was looking at uh, this job they got with this, this uh, firm Unstoppable Domains. He got another job offer. And when he, he read their, Reviews. I, I said, my only advice: go read Glassdoor reviews. Glassdoor. <laughs> five minutes. Five minutes later, he goes, "No, nah, I can't go there." But he's really excited about this place. And he, but one of the comments he read: "Unless you work t- till nine every night, you're not considered loyal to the yeah. company." And it was like, okay, forget about that. You know. And, wow. uh, mm. It's like it's like the busyness badge of honor. Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time for anything because I'm so busy. And that you know yeah, instead of, instead of somebody saying well it sounds like you're not a very good planner you know <laughs> you're doing it wrong <laughs> you know you know that you know the that person that, that's like that they had a they had a a young a young kid who said can't they put daddy into a slower group you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love that so, so in a Bob, reading group <laughs> right <laughs> So, you know, we're talking about this, this concept of time affluence, and I'm curious as to your take on this, Bob, because we, we have a client, uh, one, one of their members is here with us today, and their company did a thing. They have these no meeting windows, right? Trying to give people yeah. time. Yvonne's nodding her head because she knows I'm talking about her. Um, trying to give their employees time, right? Which, from a philosophical standpoint, is great, and I get it, and it's well-intentioned. And in talking to some of the folks in the organization, (laughs) that's the time when they can, they know they can actually meet with some other people (laughs) because they don't have meetings on their calendars. So it didn't take very many months for that uh, no meeting window to have a black market. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, (laughs) as, as the, as the employer, when you're trying to do something, you know, in this vein of, of creating time affluence, uh, when when you realize that 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 your your gesture has been worked around, what do you do? Well, any any policy is going to be worthless if it's not enforced. So <laughs> I, I think, I mean, the best thing to do is for the the CEO to make a, a comment on that to say, "Hey, we were serious about this, and mm-hmm. and uh, we want people to have their own time to actually work to focus on the things that we needed to do." Uh, I mean, I mean, some uh, a lot of companies have a have a um, time zone where, you know, yeah. like maybe from 10 to two, you, you will be available, mm-hmm. uh, but you're not expected uh, to be available before 10 or after two. And and so if you, again, get back to what employees want, if you want more flexibility so you can, if you're still commuting, so you can at least get around the commute and come in earlier or later and miss the main commute and uh, come in later and stay later, then yeah, you can do that because the window we have of meeting times is, is a uh, common knowledge. Uh, so there's, there's um, maybe clarifying and, and, uh, and, and re, re uh, igniting that. And it's okay to have something that, that didn't take on, on the first try. Mm-hmm. Say, well, okay, we tried it, we worked with it, there's some things didn't work, and here's one of them, people didn't do it. <laughs> right. right. So we were, right. were actually serious about this. And, and ideally, you know, you get the best performance when you recognize you know, when it works. So 
uh, if I was working with that company, I'd say, what are you doing to reinforce those people that are doing it and, and to put them, you know, up as a model to follow? Uh, and, or, or like I'd advocate, just have an interview with the, the CEO that's posted for the company where, where we hear him talk about what he does if someone tries to set up a meeting during that window. And says, as much as I like to, I, I, it's a, this is part of our culture that we we don't do that. We actually uh, don't abuse each other's boundaries. <laughs> and, and okay, well, yeah. again, just redefine that uh, we're serious about it. And when you have someone from the top uh, saying that, then they they get uh, they get that that lesson. You know, the the CEO of uh, makes me think of a, a CEO of uh, Morgan Stanley in the, in the past. Anyway, they used to have a thing where. They they wanted people to uh, not be frivolous in spending uh, on purchases for office supplies and just you know pens and whatever. And so they did a thing where they they um, when someone started, they gave them a a bag, a brown bag, small brown bag with with X number of uh, rubber bands and 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 pens in it, and said, "This is your your kit." Oh, man. <laughs> so, so exhausted, you know, <laughs> and they're able to save like, you know, $5 million in office wow. supplies just by That's making crazy. have a fun thing out of it and a joke yeah. out of it. But people got the point that uh, we're, yeah. we want, if, if we're wasteful with our resources, we're not going to, it's going to cut into our profits. Hey, I, I have a question for you, Dr. Bob. In your experience, have you found that kind of around this time, Afflu uh, um, affluence and time management and meeting management and such. Have you found a correlation between organizations that are good at prioritization or goal setting or writing OKRs or, or something that aligns the efforts of the organization in, in a meaningful way? Are they better able to then do these kinds of things because it absolutely to be that... and then you got everything needs to flow from the strategic objectives and how are those yeah. broken down by the the divisions and the departments and and even the KRAs if someone's you know ideally you want people that that uh, feel and support and are advocates for the mission of the organization they're not going to do that if you just but have it on the wall once you know you got you mm -hmm. to have actually have them living it is to be experiencing it and. And so um, in the company that does that well, any employee can say how what they're doing ties into the, the bigger picture of the success of what we're doing, how this leads to better customer service or, or more uh, streamlined processes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's exciting when you, you see a company actually doing that, doing it seriously instead of uh, having a, a random approach. Yeah, because I could I could see and I've seen pockets of it in my own organization where when there's lack of clarity or the target keeps moving and people are sort of in this chaotic space and, the you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Well, then it's really hard to say, don't look at your email in the evenings or no meeting hours during because they're scrambling. Right. And they're they're trying to figure it out and the target's moving and they don't you know, they don't know how to meet the expectation. And so that seems to trump any of those kinds of, um, you know, other gestures about trying to make people give people more time it's like well that'd be great but i don't know what the hell you want me to do so <laughs> and, that's and why they, i'm working this pace you know they got a high regard that they want to be viewed as as a high performer then they are gonna put an extra effort but if it's 
if if you're not clear on, I mean, all motivation also starts with clear goals and expectations. And if those are fuzzy, then you get yeah. fuzzy results and people are spending a lot of time, but maybe not working on the, the best things. Yeah. Again, yeah. that's why, you know, in the ideal case, you've got the, the, the mission and the strategic objectives and the core values and they all should be pointing to the, that same thing. So people can, uh, um, can state and uh, when, when you see it actually working, it's a beautiful thing. I, I think of uh, yeah. Jack Jack uh, Stack at uh, SRC, uh, where he kind of uh, pioneered open book management. And you can go to anyone in the company and ask them about you know uh, different uh, financial quotients and, and what's the impact on customers, and they could all answer. People on the floor can answer it. Wow. They just all knew we're, what we're things to, to make happen and whether it's in my job or someone else's so I can I can help them it's necessary because that's what really counts and and you know again that's the power of of recognition uh, if you if you deploy it well um, you know what, what gets recognized gets repeated that's right the most proven <laughs> principle of driving desired behavior and performance in any relationship in any organization and mm-hmm. I, you know I, I I ran into that in my doctoral studies and I, I was this it stumped me because I had not I, I believe that's probably true I was working for Ken Blanchard who wrote the one minute manager which talked about one minute praising and whatnot but uh, in my experience in working with several corporations I never saw it in practice so that's why, <laughs> that's why I wanted to do this book a thousand One ways to reward employees just to say okay mm-hmm. skip the theories let's just look at examples of what right. people are yeah. doing and the results they get and you know maybe that same thing will work for you if you give it a try and and um and such was the case that uh um uh, and, and that that book the idea that came is a testament to education idea from a graduate school class i had turned into a book that sold two million copies <laughs> so, that's awesome <laughs> yeah. that's but, but the so- whole thing was common sense which goes back to voltaire and the and the 1760s a few things are are less common than common sense or you know <laughs> sometimes it's obvious that that gets overlooked or i'm, I'm convinced because i've been swimming in this this challenge for so long that i'm convinced that people actually if it's if the answer sounds too simple they won't accept it now it's got to be yeah. a big fancy program we got to spend a lot of money we got to get a committee together and go yeah, really yeah <laughs> <laughs> I work with a company in, in Connecticut, Boardroom Inc. They do uh, newsletters and they they do these uh, uh, big books. And they they started a thing called iPower, where they asked every every employee, not any employee, but every employee, to submit two ideas every week for how we can improve things around here, how mm-hmm. we can save money, how we can better deliver service to the customer, how we can streamline the process, and um, two ideas. That's what we're asking for. And, and you know, and then people did that, and and they got thousands of ideas uh, after they got up and running, and and they didn't implement all the ideas, but they implemented a lot of them, <laughs> and and uh, wow, it it transformed the company. It it led to a fivefold increase in their revenues in a couple year period of time. Wow! And and it was it was just uh, it was just magical, but it it, <laughs> it was simple, but. It, it, the magic doesn't happen by itself. You got to actually focus on the things. And in this case, it was just asking people for ideas that they're close to their job. They know better what will work for them. And instead of having a 
a big committee to review those ideas and shoot them all down. What gives you the right to tell us what we should be doing in purchasing? You know, <laughs> it won't happen again. You know, <laughs> and you get another idea from the person, they would say, "Well, we actually want to, you know, thank people for the effort." So they would have a volunteer from the work group each week review the ideas, and they trained them to say, "Review, look for the good in the idea." And more times than not, they say, "This is a great idea. You should really do it." And they gave it back to them. Let us know if we can help you with your idea. Who's got more energy for the idea than the person who came up with it themselves? And so just to pick one out of the thousands they'd get every year, I remember they had a, um, uh, a shipping clerk. One of his suggestions just on one week, you know, in the middle of the year somewhere, he he said, you know, next time we get this book that, that we we sell and, you know, to uh, uh, print it at the printer, if we could sit, get the trim size cut to uh, a sixth of an inch less, he said, uh, it's gonna it'll fall into the way the book will fall into the next postal rate. We'll save some money. And they said, oh, Is he wow. right? And they cut up a book, and he was right. They saved a half million dollars the first year. Wow, a sixth of an inch, a sixteenth of an inch, a sixteenth <laughs> of an inch. And, wow. that, and that, that idea is from a from a uh, hourly paid young kid who you know their 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 chairman Marty Edelson told me he said, Bob, I I've been working in in direct mail for twenty seven years. I didn't even know there was a fourth class postal rate, but the kid that's staring at the chart day in and day out, he knew what there was, if we can tap right. into what he sees and legitimize it. And, and mm -hmm. so, so they did, you know, and, and that became a, uh, he became a hero, a big success story and that encouraged other people to put stuff in. Eventually they, they evolved it so that, that because they were making so much money from this simple thing, they said, we got to share the money. So they, they moved to a gain sharing of the profitability mm -hmm. on a quarterly basis. And the only requirement to, to get the gain sharing, which usually was, you know, three or $4,000 a quarter <laughs> per employee, the only way to, to qualify was you had to be putting your ideas in. Submit ideas. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't submit any this quarter, well, guess what? Yeah, sorry, you're not in the pool. <laughs> wow. Again, the, right. it, took a, it took a very simple idea and it took a couple of times to get right. But then as they learned and fine-tuned, it got better and better and stronger and stronger, better ideas. And I, I talked to a, a woman there. Um, she said, my first day at work, I didn't even know where I was sitting yet. And I got pulled into a, a staff meeting. And within 30 minutes of coming into the front door of my first day at work, someone turns to me and said, what do you think we should do about this, this problem? She, got, she was like shell-shocked. She almost, almost fell on the floor. <laughs> Came from a company she'd worked there eight years. No one had ever asked her ideas about anything, not not once. And here she doesn't know where wow. she's sitting yet. They want to know what she thinks, and it felt pretty good. You know, it, it got her thinking about other ideas, and you know, on the commute or the shower, whatever. And and what where were my two ideas this week? You know, and they just got better and better at it. They 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 told me that they one of the un un. Uh, Unintended consequences, delightful unintended consequences that all their turnover stopped. Mm. Why would you want to leave to take another job if you can make wow. whatever you're doing in, in the company now turn wow. into what you most want? You know, it's like it, it was just uh, enormously mm. powerful. So I, you know, I I see I see the type of things with the companies I've worked with, and I just want to share them with the world. To, <laughs> you gotta try this, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to ask you one more question and then and then open it up to the to the folks here. Um, you know, engagement was hard before COVID. 
Um, the assumption is that it's harder and more different now. A, is that the case? And, and B, what do you find is working most effectively from an engagement perspective in this distributed world that we all live in? Well, I think the, the basics are still true. And to me, as I indicated, the, the basics for motivation is starting with the employee in terms of what they, what's important to them and not assume that you know the answer and not dismiss when they say something. And if they, if they say, I just want to be noticed, maybe they're serious about that. <laughs> you sure you don't want to raise? No, I want to be noticed. (laughs) Or and 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 that what we want varies over our career. Because sometimes, like if you're new in your job or you're trying to pay off student loan debt, you know, being paid a little bit more goes a long way. But after you, you know, maybe five years out, where you're you're able to pay your bills and live in standard living, which you're accustomed to, and maybe it's you know more being a part of the team, visibility with upper management, giving being given more responsibility. It varies over our careers, so it's a moving motivation is a moving target to begin with. So you can't you can't say, okay, we we found the answer, and now we'll just do this and we're done. It doesn't work that way. It's uh, mm-hmm. relationships are are evolving, and the populace is evolving. Today, it's it's uh, you know like I think um, people ask me in in the hybrid workplace, what's I just did an article for Inc. and you know <laughs> if there's one message to companies uh, trying to make hybrid work, please be flexible. Please don't assume you, you got all the answers or this is the way we do it around here. So be f- flexible to listen to what people want because um, some people, as I indicated, most people don't want to go back to the office, but, but if you're in the younger generation, maybe you do because that's where we get a chance to meet other people and learn from others. Um, but the whole idea of, of culture only happens in the office is yeah, a misnomer. That's dead. It's definitely not true, but, but a lot of people hang to it. And again, going back to the the, the, the financial companies in, in New York City banks, yeah, said, well, we you got to come back to the office. That's where you experience the culture. That's where we learn from each other. And oh, really? Is that the, is is that it, the case? So <laughs> we've been doing nothing for the last 20 months. Nobody's <laughs> learned anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But you're missing the culture piece. The, the yeah. you know, and uh, no, we're, the culture, if culture we're is how. Yeah, if culture is how work gets done, we were doing that long before COVID. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. really didn't matter so much where. Yeah. The ping pong tables were window dressing. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. You know, I had a I had an employee one time, this is back when I was running HR for a software company, and I had a, a, a CFO who was very old school, very sort of button seat means productivity. Um, and she came to me, you know, as the head of HR and said, you know, this employee is never here before nine o'clock. Do something about it. And, you know, so now I had to go talk to the guy and he's a software developer and he was, was his first job out of college. He was like 24 years old. And uh, he said to me, and I'll never forget it. Cause I say it all the time. He said, I don't know what it is with you people in eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. Like I, I don't do my best work at eight o'clock in the morning. So you, Truly don't want me here. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm gonna. Yeah, I need to have cereal there. I need to have. Yeah. And and it's it's just crazy because that same kid. You know, again, this isn't that long ago that this happened. They go if he's being honest. Say, well, tell you what, to get there, to be there at eight or whenever, that means I got to stop the work I'm doing, <laughs> pack up my laptop, take a shower, 
get in the car, drive to the office, take my same laptop out to continue the project. Right. Is that really? Why break my flow, right? And now I'm being interrupted by coworkers. And yes, and yeah. Yes. It, I, I, and research boy, this goes back to the you know early mid '80s. I did research on on working from home, and uh, I found people to be. I had them log their time and what they're working on twice as productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just not even counting the commute twice mm-hmm. as productive because they can be more focused. It depends, of course, on the type of work you're doing as well, but they, they can dig in deeper and not be distracted. Yeah. And so it's, um, I hope, I hope after you researched that, you went back and I checked into it. I found out why he's, he's getting to start on work at home. <laughs> and so right. we want, I told him we need him to continue to do that. Keep doing that. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is awesome. Thank you, Dr. Bob, for being here. I want to make sure that anybody that's here gets an opportunity to take advantage of your wisdom while we have you today. So I want to open it up to questions. Who has a question for Dr. Bob? You can just come off mute and say it or type it in the chat. Your choice. Can I throw a, uh, one out? Go right ahead, David. Thank you. So uh, great discussion. Very thought provoking. Really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience, Bob. Uh, One thing that came to mind as you were discussing, we were discussing the advantages and the realities of moving towards hybrid work and the strong likelihood of people remaining in this newly forming work setting. I couldn't help but think of the many companies I work with and we all are aware of where you have to go to the work to do the work. Uh, and there are plenty of companies, uh, I'm thinking of Samsung as one of my clients here in, mm. in town, and they have a fab plant. You have to go there to do the work. And then there are these surrounding ecosystems of support that kind of go to that fab plant to take care of supply chain issues and so forth, because all the materials kind of move there. But then there's another, as you start moving the ecosystem out, there's a group of working professionals, knowledge workers, who really fit this profile of what we're talking about. And they are now dealing with this kind of have and have not condition in which some people have the luxury of staying home. They don't have to deal with the commute and others have to go there. And they're having to be very careful with dealing with this modified cultural emergence. And I'm just wondering what you've seen and how companies are reacting to the, those split organizations where some have to go to where the work is and others don't. Well, there's even more branches of that because some people, um, they don't want to go into the office, but they also don't want to work at home because they want to break, you know? And so some companies on that are, are moving towards setting up uh, office pods uh, around yeah. where their workers are. So they can kind of like a we work space where they can go there and, and, uh, you know, they've got the advantage of having a break from personal life or maybe, you know, they've got uh, kids at home and, and can't get as much work done as they'd like. And uh, but they don't, still don't want to do the commute to downtown, you know, or the main office. Yeah, yeah. For, I, there's there is that mindset where I would prefer to go to where work gets done, cross the threshold. And then when I come home, I'm removed from everything associated with yes. work. Right. So there's there's that sensibility but i'm interested in your perspective on conditions where you have to go to where the work gets done Uh, again that's that uh, it varies from job to job and if you have to meet the the customer for example or that's where the equipment is then that's that's part of the job and and if you have so if you if you move to the hybrid environment i i think part of the caution is 
and I'm seeing it. Like my sister works for uh, uh, a, a government agency, and, and her boss said, "No, everyone has to be in the office because um, we're not going to you know play favorites." And so it's easy to make a rule and say everyone has to do this, even though by far, you know, she's much more effective at home. So that, that we want to avoid the old stereotypes of kind of because I said, you know, because we've always right. done it this way. Now, I'm with you. I'm with you. But just to press the issue a little bit further, there are some organizations in which you've got split groups in which some people have to go to where the work gets done. They have to go to the lab. Yes. They've got to go to the work site and touch the work. And then they're surrounded with colleagues who don't have to. And there's yes. this dynamic that's emerging. I'm just wondering if you've seen it and you've been able to speak to it. I, I have seen it. And and to me, to deal with that as an employee population, because it, you can get resentment from the people mm-hmm. that right. have to be the office that, and the people that don't. And and then I think that that's an actual opportunity to say, well, if you if you'd like to be a lab worker, this puts you in the direction to get you the training so you can get in line for a job like that. You know, I was or, just gonna say, yeah, that it's kind of it's kind of a condition of the the skills and abilities that you have. And so if you if you're an organization that has a a, a you know professional development plan, then you can engage in those conversations in that productive way. But and make it a positive thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that that is to me the the way out of it. Instead of saying, "Well, those people are special," why why is someone a knowledge worker? It's, it's you know, ideally, it's because we think they've got a higher degree of knowledge that is more useful, uh, and that's why they maybe had that that freedom and luxury. But um, as an organization, you're if you're giving them uh, privileges others don't have, then instead of you know, one way to overcome resentment from those people that don't have it is to show them the path to to get a job like that themselves, and mm-hmm. and that could be through a lot of that could be start with uh, skip level meetings with your manager manager to talk about where you want to yeah. be in the future. Sure. You know, I, I really want to be in in that type of job, you know, or I, I want to be in. There, there's a my my son went to. Uh, uh, I mean, this, you've got to. We all have to pivot in our life, you know, to to meet the circumstances we want and. And companies need to pivot as well. I know I'm very proud of my son because he was a, a a classical guitarist. Went to school at Northwestern and and then to USC in classical guitar. He's a very gifted guitarist. But guess what? He found out it was hard to make a living being a classical what? guitarist. <laughs> yeah, newsflash, newsflash, right? <laughs> he was doing $150 weddings, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's like oh yeah yeah you know and and uh, so he he did a. Um, a uh, hard pivot, and he went. He went to a computer boot camp in in San Francisco that Forbes uh, nicknamed three months to six figures." And <laughs> and uh, you know what? It, it found out that having a having a being a classical trained guitarist had some great great uh, skills that translate very easily to programming. You've got to be creative. You've got to be linear at the same time. And a lot of people in programming are, are not creative. So he, he excelled right. at it. And and uh, um, and sure enough, he went to this program and he got uh, he graduated. He got eight job offers. He talked his, uh, his girlfriend into doing the same. And her, her, her parents said, no, you, uh, she's going to quit her job. She was an administrative person, kind of a you know, secretary in, in a hospital. And, 
She said, quit her job to go do this. And her parents said, no, you can't quit. You, you haven't been there a year. It's going to look bad on your resume. <laughs> That's such <laughs> a parent thing to say. Right? You can't. You're going to look like you're a, you're a job hopper. And, and, and she finally said, I'm doing it. And she did. <laughs> same, same program. Uh, and uh, graduated, got a job from Apple that she turned down, by the way. Because the commute was further than another oh, to Sunnyvale. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, you, you got the skills. You can call the shots, and that's right. that's where we're moving into in in a hurry. That if you've got if you and and in in my son's program, uh, they had they had doctors, they had uh, fiction writers. Everyone had one thing in common. They did not want to do what they had been doing anymore. They wanted to do something else, and this particularly uh, something that happened to pay very well and. Um, that uh, they haven't looked back. They've, they've, they've gotten other people into those programs as well. And so I'm a big believer in, in the value of education for, for pivoting. And, and uh, I, I think um, if people don't see that, you're doing a favor to show, show it to them and to, um, you know, because none of us should feel trapped in our life and our circumstances. And I can't tell you how many people I've, I've met where, Gosh, they fell into something and they did it till they hated it. And then they hated their manager. And then they were fired and they yeah. did it again. That's some other. <laughs> you do that four or five times and your career's gone and you're kind of bitter for the whole thing. And man, oh man, what what about some uh, forethought on what you really want to be doing? And now, how, and maybe that's a a hobby you have. How can we make that? Yeah. How can you develop that into a paying a paying gig that that actually you can earn a living from and maybe be a lean authority on right. that, that hobby, whatever it is. There's a lot of people that have done that or, or to be an influencer. Boy, the door is open. <laughs> you don't have to look far to find kids that are teenagers that are, are being paid a, a lot of money for holding up stuff on their, their <laughs> social media feed. You know? Right. <laughs> so that's, it's a crazy world, but uh, that's the one we're living in. And it's not hard to find the path where, you can maximize what you most want out of your life. And that includes doing meaningful work and it includes being paid uh, to the, the tune where you could live a standard living in which you, you like to like mm -hmm. to live. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in that, that potential. And you can, you can, uh, for any of us, we can pivot at any time in our life. There's no rules that say, you know, you can only do that when you just graduate from college or something. Right. <laughs> so we have, we have really gotten off. Maybe this is the, the whole purpose of the, the bartender thing here is to get off of the, get off of the script. And now we're just talking, talking turkey. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. Uh, Ruby had a great comment in the chat about an idea about giving extra privileges to the people that have to come in and then, you know, asking them what would motivate them, right? Actually having a conversation with them. I thought that was great. Um, and, and I'll post that over on the network so we can continue, continue that discussion over there. Uh, Dr. Bob, thanks so much for being with us today. This has been great. Big ups to Dr. Bob. Thank you. Let's uh, um, the applause. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> for those that can hang around, let's do our funny things. Good feels in our cocktail and get on out of here for dinner time. Today is funny things. Funny thing. Number one woke up from a nightmare about being tired accidentally woke Andy only to say how exhausted I was 3:30 AM Andy looking around the bed. We can't do any more about it than this. She, I, I could top that. I, I read a cartoon. The guy wakes up his, his wife's groggy with a cup of coffee. He goes, I just had a, a dream. I got eight hours sleep. <laughs>
Oh, yeah, because when you wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare about being tired, you really can't do any more than be in bed. (laughs) Funny thing number two, a Florida restaurant chain says boosting pay and offering better benefits helped end its labor shortage. (laughs) That's a literal, literal news headline. And I love the, the tweet here. Fix your labor shortage with this one weird trick. (laughs) of course that's again that's going to be look at the the level of worker you have as a a food server it's it's, uh you know they they probably should have had adjustments their pay quite a time ago right (laughs) ah man it's been uh, brutal especially you know they haven't gotten i guess a couple companies did kind of combat pay you're front lines of yep. covid you know but not enough of them you know right and, or, or that those those that did got it, it was temporary <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we're so out of sync we're so out of sync <laughs> with fair pay it's sort of where i go with minimum wage if you're actually paying minimum wage you don't deserve to have any workers yeah. <laughs> tell us how you really feel laurel i wish you were more forthcoming i, I know i'm always holding back <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing number three here. When it comes to super literal names, you can't beat fireplace. <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> Becoming ungovernable. Zoo separates five parrots after birds were caught, encouraging each other to swear at guests. Yes. I need a parrot. <laughs> Oh, if I could talk to ghost, I'd always fake Bluetooth when a living human inevitably heard me chatting with a deadie. That would be my name for them. I'd hold up my finger to my mouth one sec and then point to my earpiece, followed by an eye roll and an air jerk off motion. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And my favorite funny thing today (laughs) You're feeding me an hour later because of daylight saving time. How the fuck can I read a clock, John? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Today- <laughs> Eric, you guys are living up to your fun value. Uh, <laughs> thanks for doing that. <laughs> Today, Today's good feel story is a quick one. Just a couple of minutes here. Congratulations are in order for Steve Hartman, winner of a just announced Emmy Award. This morning, he has the tale of an answered prayer. Traffic and weather on the 8th. It was a deceptively beautiful morning in the nation's capital. Severe weather is not expected today. But by that afternoon, several inches of heavy rain had fallen in parts of the district. And no one was caught more off guard that September day than Virginia Waller of Hagerstown, Maryland. Virginia was coming down this exit ramp when she ran headlong into a flash flood. Hit the water with such force it tore off her license plate. Water so deep, her car wouldn't budge. It was scary. Had you ever felt that scared before? No, I thought I could die. Virginia is a woman of faith, but she says she's never prayed harder than she did at that moment. Clinging on to the hope that God heard me. A minute passed. You had to think you were seeing things. Yeah, for a second, I was like, this is real. So I had to take my phone out and and start recording it. So cool! 
What Virginia saw was the next best thing to the hand of God. The Marines are going to help us. Marines in dress blues who seemed to appear out of nowhere. Thank you so much. Believe it or not, I've actually met these same men before and can personally vouch for their strength of character and their strength. Back in 2019, we did a story on this elite group known as the Body Bearers. Their mission here at Arlington Cemetery is to shoulder the burden of American grief, literally. Men so humble in their charge, they rarely do interviews and were especially reluctant to talk about rescuing Virginia that day. <laughs> yeah. We had to fight to get you on camera. <laughs> but they sat for me because they thought there could be a lesson in this. The more I thought about it, I was like, well, that's, this is kind of a platform to tell people to be the one to get out of your car. Like, that's got to be the takeaway. In other words, it should be the motto of all Americans to leave no man behind. Not in a war, not in a flood, oh. not anywhere, in any way. Oh my God. They didn't ask who we were. They just helped selflessly. And they didn't leave us behind that day. And there's the first push oh, yeah. in this American oh rescue God. plan. This is the most American thing ever. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. <laughs> Send me that clip. I, I will Congratulations. do. Congratulations. I will do. My sister Did I send me quarantine cocktail? Oh, sorry. What was that, Bob? My sister works for the Marines. Oh, yeah. Mm. Definitely send it to you. Definitely Thanks. send it to you. All right. So today's semi quarantine cocktail is the Fizzy and Loud. It's a riff on the gin fizz. You're going to need a little bit of gin. One Australian man, and that's important. I'll tell you why in a second. Three quarter <laughs> ounce of a freshly squeezed lemon or lime juice. Five years of practice, three-quarter ounce of simple syrup, one-to-one ratio, one belch that broke the world record at 112.4 decibels, large egg white, optional. He wanted to hold a world record of any sort and need a little bit of soda to taste. The record had been held for a decade by an Englishman. <laughs> Being Australian, he couldn't stand for that. A little lemon peel for garnish. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks to Dr. Bob for being here. This has been amazing. <laughs> we will see you next week. Dr. Bob, we'll put this into the production and get it out here in a couple of weeks, and I will send you a note when it goes live. Um, if you guys want to reach Dr. Bob, you have his email, which is bob at drbobnelson.com, if I'm correct. Right. I put it in the uh, chat as well. It's in the chat. And uh, if you're here today, you're, you're lucky enough to address to receive the book. Yeah, you you'll get you'll get a book. If you're listening to this, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to write Dr. Bob on your own and see what he does. Uh, <laughs> sign it for his contribution. That's right. That's right. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. We've got a guest next week as well. Um, I will give you the scoop on that here after the after the show today. We're on the network. Thanks again to Dr. Bob. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Thank you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the corporate bartender. <laughs>